Yo, real talk though, RuneScape's being added. Real old school RuneScape is being added to a uh, Steam. We're making a plan, dude. This is, I I this legit thought about thing. getting into it again. <laughs> oh, just to relive the the good old days. Am I right? Yeah. Ugh, it's a good time. Ghost, you can be our clan leader, and we'll be called the Ghoulies. <laughs> I like that. You never be on. <laughs> I never played RuneScape. I had so many friends that did, and I just I oh. could not get into it at the time. All right, well now we definitely have to do it now. <laughs> we definitely got to do it now. We, we there's the, there's no choice in this. You have you don't have a choice in this. <laughs> <laughs> the nominated clan leader. All right, all right. I guess we should get started, shouldn't we? So sure. Yep. Hello and welcome to another episode of That's Just Gamer Talk. I have Tom Cruise can't lose off to my left, and down below, who's this guy? That'd be, that'd be Ghost of Most Artificial. Thanks for the resubscription, gentle. So how are you doing today, my my dudes? Pretty good. Pretty it's good. Cold outside though. Very cold. I, it yeah, is. I I will I will I don't want to take a step outside today, if I don't have to. <laughs> yeah, I don't. I don't blame you. It's starting to get to that point where it's actually feeling like winter. Mm. Yeah. All right. So. Where to start today? I guess we could start with what we were talking about before I did the intro, where with the uh, the, the Steam Fest, the ga Steam Game Festival is happening from like now until the 9th of February. Uh, so you can play a bunch of like uh, indie demo games. Uh, I was playing Loop Hero and Rogue Book the other day, but there was a lot of other ones that looked very interesting. A lot of like card builders. I don't know. What's, what's like your favorite types of indie games, I guess? Because mine's are always like roguelikes that are like card builders in a way. I don't know like uh, what genre I would classify this as, but honestly, it's usually the kind of... Um, they're not quite interesting enough to call them like action adventure. Or action adventure um, but a lot of them are just like kind of exploration, um, narrative, linear stories. Um and they're usually only like two to three hours, but they have a very, I actually saw a meme on Reddit once and I was like, yep, that's a hundred percent meme, but they, <laughs> me, but they have a very um, similar like color palette usually or art style. And they usually like feature a Fox as like the main character, just like exploring <laughs> around like a glowy neon land and stuff like that. I feel like that's usually the indie game I go for. If you at all know what I'm talking about. I, I, I feel that. I get you. Yeah. I think there's like 500 games like that. So <laughs> they're always fun. They're always can be kind of fun, though. It's not, it's not like you just like sit there and you play it for like two hours and you're just like, ah, whatever. It was like, no, those were quite fun. Yeah. And usually these those kind of games tend to stick with you long after the game's even done. Hmm. Yeah, that's 100 percent true. Yeah. What about you, Alex? What do you usually go for? Uh, the kind of indie games I appreciate most are probably the ones where I can tell that the developer went in with a very clear vision, either with the narrative or the gameplay, and it's been fully realized. Some th things like Katana Zero, uh, oh, I love that game. BPM, if you haven't played that, is a super fun game. That Like bullets uh, per minute, right? Yeah, um, where you yeah. Uh, have to sync all your actions up to the game. It's kind of like Crypt of the Next Door Dancer if it was a first-person shooter. Very, very fun game. Oh, yeah. Those are always very fun, so... I uh, 
So yeah, that, that's happening for a while. There are game dev streams that are going on right now along with a bunch of other ones. So go check those out if you haven't already. Um, I, I hope to do more. I, I, I just have to take the time to rummage through the pages of pages of pages of, of Steam <laughs> and look for something yeah. I think I could find very interesting. <sighs> so EA had a bunch of big news this week, I guess, if you want to call it like that. <laughs> I know. <laughs> First, first off, EA is bringing back NCAA college football without using college players. Yeah, it's strange. Yeah, I okay. So I mean, it's 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 way it's the way they get around uh, uh, not having to pay for likeness, right? Is this weird to talk about? You guys are both laughing. I just I the reason I laugh is because I immediately thought about Madden, if they couldn't use the likeness of any actual professional athletes. And if I would like it just as much, because there are some football simulation games I've played with like generic team names and generic um, player names and stuff like that. And you can even do in Madden, like create your own team in some of the versions and, you know, simulate the year, like thousand years in advance. And then it's all just pre-made names and stuff. And the answer is, you know, it obviously is um, still really enjoyable but I feel like that specific crowd that generally buys those kind of games, the likeness of actual athletes in those sports is a huge um, attraction. So to make it without that just as like a standard is a little bit strange to me, um, especially with a company as big as EA. Like I, I get that they want to save money or avoid lawsuits or whatever it is, um, but I find it strange that they would still find the seal of approval or pull the trigger on it without the likeness of college athletes, you know? Yeah, no, I, I feel you on that one. There's a lot of, a lot of people are excited for it. I guess the, the, you know, even though you can't play with your favorite players, you can still play with the team names, I guess. So you could still play as like the Wisconsin Badgers or Minnesota, um, well, uh, Gophers or the Alabama Crimson Tide or whatever the hell they are. Um, yeah. Which is strange also to me, because like, isn't that using the uh, name of the, the well, the name of the of school and like the mascot and the colors and stuff like that? So technically, is isn't the, are they not having to pay the school then? Is there some loophole I don't know about? Maybe scanning the faces of all the players just takes too much money that they don't want to spend. Well, if you if you use actual players likeness, then you have to give you have to pay the college players or that was like the that was the whole thing that shut down okay. the NCAA to begin with. OK, that's true. Like they just didn't want to pay the ones. And all, well, they I'm sure they would have. But like they weren't like NCAA uh, says they can't get paid for stuff like this. Now they're kind of yeah. changing that rule. But yeah, because that's been a controversy in college football, like take video games out of it. Just should college athletes yeah. get paid at all? You know, that's been a freaking. Yeah. Oh, yeah, that's been a huge thing. Decades now. Yep, that's been a huge thing for forever now. Uh, not to turn this into a uh, uh, sports podcast for a moment here, but in California, there is a there is a, a law that says that that, that uh, college students can get paid for uh, doing like things like uh, autograph signings and whatnot. Um, hey. So because of that, NCAA is now realizing that they have to uh, basically encompass all of that. Otherwise, it gives an unfair advantage to anyone in any colleges in California. So that could be changing here in a little bit. Nice. Which also makes... Go for it. Go for it. (laughs) (laughs) 
<laughs> I do wonder just like how well it's gonna do because like kind of steering it back to the game itself. I feel like the people I do talk to that um, usually have no problem like supporting EA and anything they really release and everything, uh, most of them do miss like anybody I know that plays Madden regularly and buys the new release every single year. Most of those people would be more hyped for NCAA titles to come back. So it's kind of like, is is it going to be that much of a success despite whether they use likeness of players or whatever else, just because of the the amount of hype that it's going to generate that it's coming back? You know, absolutely, um, absolutely, it will. Yeah, you think so? You see, uh, you see. Well, we've seen it on uh, Twitter already. There's been a lot of people hyping up the return of NCAA. Like, you obviously have those people that says it's just going to be another shitty Madden game. But honestly, those are the people that I think just wouldn't buy the game anyway. Yeah, that's fair. That's true. Yeah. And that was like what I was going to come as like I was going to say is that hype is high now, but give it two or three and it might be like the same game just released yearly like Madden is. Right. So, yeah, yeah. After. Uh, yeah. It'll be like a one trick pony at that point. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we'll we'll see. I. I, I have a feeling that'll probably be the case, but hey, maybe they'll prove us wrong. Doubtful. Would you guys? Do you guys think you're gonna get it? No. No. <laughs> Last time yeah, I, I played, I paid for a sports game. I think was MLB The Show, like 2012 or something like that. I'm like, that was like the first one available for the PS4. That's back when there was significant differences in between them too. I mean, yes and no. They that was the first time that they had redone kind of like their uh, where you make your own player and you work your way to the majors type deal so it was it worked differently and that's why i wanted it i feel like at the time and now they haven't changed it really at all so yeah i don't know there we got uh what else i got yeah also has uh the mass effect uh, legendary edition comes out may 14th anyone play mass effect before al <laughs> David, have you? Not me. No, me either. No. <laughs> you haven't? I, I have not. I've played, I've played the Mass Effect games multiple times, especially when I was kids. And despite uh, the first one not looking very good, like it's still very playable. I very much enjoy the Mass Effect series. It's where a lot of today's RPGs get their inf inspiration from. Yeah. Remaster does not look great. Oh yeah, right after that. I haven't seen any like the screenshots or anything like that from me yet. Yet. All right, so uh, so you go in and you think, okay, we're gonna remake new textures, gonna update the models, do all this stuff. No, add lens flares, add a bunch oh, no. of lens. Oh no, <laughs> put them everywhere. It's it looks absolutely terrible. Look up any of the screenshots, and it's just all the exact same thing, but with a lens flare added. There's gonna be no point to buying this collection at all. Oh, okay. <laughs> All right. But also not go, Ghost, after hearing that great sales pitch, do you think you're going to pick it up? <laughs> yeah, absolutely not. Um, <laughs> I don't think so. Is it just a remaster of the first it, one? It's remasters oh, it's of three. one, two, and three. So do you think they're going to keep the ending the same? Because wasn't that a huge point of controversy and everything? I thought I heard that they replaced oh, no, it they, with the DLC, what it, with like the new ending, the DLC ending that they had given out later uh that they yeah they, they made later for it yeah like uh they made a whole new ending for mass effect 3 and um they released it um for free on whatever digital storefront for people to just download 
Oh, okay. That's a good move. Yeah. Yeah. I was like, I don't know what it is, but boy, if it's that bad. <laughs> yeah, Whew. seriously. So, yeah, it, obviously this is like to generate, to see how how much hype there still is for the Mass Effect series, right? Because at the Game Awards, I remember yeah. last, last uh, was it December, that they showed off a teaser for like that Mass Effect's coming back, that there's going to be a new game for it that's not a Dramedin, because they like, they like to push a Dramedin in the corner and forget it ever happened. <laughs> yep. <laughs> So, yeah, that was we'll, dumpster fire. We'll see if it works. I, honestly, I, I, I'm considering it, but at the same time, I'm just like, I've got so many games to play at this point. <laughs> yeah, my backlog is huge, and I don't think getting into the Mass Effect series with this entry would be the no. Best. It, it it getting into the Mass Effect series it will take you forever. No oh boy. Yeah, that's, fine. that's about what I figured. I think that's why I always like. It, it always seems to happen with those big games, like. Do I want to get into them? And then everyone's like, oh, it's like a huge, like huge commitment and stuff like that. I either have to like love it to to really or like be really excited for it prior to it. Are these the lens flares you were talking about? It's the exact same. They just added wow. a lens flare. Wow. <laughs> so with that being said, like remasters in general, they're kind of serving multiple purposes, right? Because they're supposed to get nostalgic fans interested but a huge appeal of them also is to redo them to the point where like people that missed the boat when they originally came out would give it that second chance right like that mm -hmm. is definitely a strategy of it yeah and i think a lot of these remasters are doing that we've seen that with um the crash and the spyro trilogies in the past like it's been yeah. praised by fans who have played the game before and people who have never played these games before like um you and me ghost actually like this is the perfect entryway. They're the same games, except they look nicer. Yeah, so you would not, say that's not the case at all with the with this one. No, it's the exact same game with lens flare. Yeah, yeah. Sometimes just ruin the mood. Yeah. yeah so it really comes down to that uh, whole idea of the original versus the remaster and stuff like that. Is the remaster good? I guess it all depends on whether or not you've played the games before. Yeah. I, that's honestly what it comes down to. There's a lot of people that really don't want, uh, what is it, Resident Evil 4 remastered or remade just because the original 4 was just so good. Um, yes. I'm very nervous for if that gets remastered or redone. Look, it's probably getting it's probably getting it, right? That I think we can pretty much say it because with the with success of the, uh, the remakes of 2 and 3 at this point. Yeah. I personally yeah. don't have a big issue because... There are very few games that I personally consider to be like truly untouchable. And if it's introducing the game to a newer audience, I think that's overall a good thing. At the same time, like it, there's no point in redoing something that's already perfect, but that's a conversation I could talk about for hours. But the point is like people will buy it, so they'll do it anyway. Oh, yeah. Right, if it's going to make money. Yeah. yeah, and especially since in the in this case they want to continue making Mass Effect slash I think Bioware is just trying to go back to what they know uh, people will definitely buy because <laughs> they've yeah. definitely had some big flops recently. Uh, looking at you, Anthem. <laughs> That's the thing. It's also much more expensive to come up with like a new IP entirely, isn't it, than to like remaster these. Uh, I mean, you think to, to I mean, answer these, absolutely. Like, if you said it, if it would be more expensive to create a whole new um, game versus like 
uh, sequel to Mass Effect, I'd say the cost would be roughly the same. But no, making these these remasters are really, really goddamn cheap. Yeah, yeah. When you I'm feel like if if you have all the uh, the assets to just remake them already, it's like I don't feel like it takes a whole lot to do it. Um, yeah, I definitely feel like more people are just just the Mass Effect name is probably going to be the the selling point in it all. Yeah. A hundred percent. Yeah. Yeah. And that, and that's why they do it. Like if this was a remaster of some game that nobody really knew or cared about, then they wouldn't do it. it yeah. It comes down to the, the whole money thing again. Oh man. It's mass effect. I, I hear those games are good. It's just, I just don't ever feel the need or want to get into them. I, I don't yeah, know. I feel exactly the same way. Uh, let's see what else we got here. Uh, really don't need to nowadays. They're especially the first one is so rough around the edges. It's pretty difficult to get into. Fair, fair. All right. Uh, well, we got, I'm sure we all saw the news that Amazon got a new CEO with, uh, Jeff Bezos stepping down, uh, Andy Mm -hmm. Jassy, uh, and, uh, one of the things he talked about when he wanted when he uh, jumped in is the need to want or the want to create more video games on for through Amazon. Um, it's not really a surprise considering that they own Twitch as a platform and they have their uh, own streaming game streaming service uh, set to come out with the Amazon Luna. Any any chance that that you think that any of these games will succeed is is my next question. Any confidence? <laughs> any confidence in it? Because personally, I don't have a no. lot of confidence. No, not in the slightest. I think Luna's going to crash and burn exactly like Stadia did. They're going to half-ass the whole thing, and within a few years, again, they're going to give it up. Yeah, I'm getting major Stadia vibes from it. Like, well, hundred percent. Let, let's just put Luna aside then. Do you think they will make any games that look interesting that interesting enough to for you to want to play because they have had a couple ones with like the most one of their most recent one crucible that was popular for like a week or two or something like that just because they were sponsoring streamers to play it it peaked at like it peaked at like 200 players that game was never popular well i mean there was a lot of people streaming it and a lot of people watching it they call that a success in a, in a way okay um but i mean i, I liked generation zero for what that game was so i guess maybe yeah Ghost, i think they're they're very good at what they do right so as far as like january generating hype for it marketing it getting a little bit of buzz going they're good at that i so that's fine but when it comes to actually creating it there's not going to be any weight behind it so it's kind of kind of be this effect of I think it's just going to continue to add like distrust um, in the gaming community towards them. Uh, so, is that necessarily like a success when you look at it? Because here's the weird thing: is if they were able to partner with a company that would be able, and I think that's kind of the idea behind you know purchasing or owning Twitch and trying to work through it a little bit. If they're able to work hand in hand with a company that knew what they were doing in video game development, rather then it would be really exciting and they could accomplish a lot. But instead, I don't know. I, I don't think they have any kind of resource available to them to be able to create anything interesting enough that's going to last, you know, like sustainability. It's all going to be kind of like buzz and hype related. Um, and it's going to be kind of 
this one trick pony. That uh, oh. that's kind of the vibe that I've been getting. A lot of the games that Amazon has come up with so far have been very generic. Like there's nothing been spe- anything specifically wrong with them, but right. they've uh, if they all seemed very similar to other things, but worse. Like I said, Generation Zero was cool, but there was nothing special about it. Um, Crucible was interesting, but I would rather just play League of Legends. And um, this new game they have coming out called New Worlds, it looks like a generic World of Warcraft clone. At that point, why not just go play that? Yeah, it comes. Yeah, it comes. It comes down to why not just play the what the what the game company or industry standard is with like MMORPGs being WoW and stuff like that, right? Yeah, right. So the question I kind of want to ask is: Does that just show that is their target audience more of a casual gaming crowd that doesn't know, like that that wouldn't instantly know the default like standard at that point, or <laughs> is it really just like? their feeble attempts at recreating those titles and hoping they can outweigh the competition. I think that I think they're going for casuals mostly. And I think a big audience for them are people that aren't gay that are going into um, gaming for the very first time. Yeah. Uh, yes. I agree with that. And it, that's kind of what's interesting is to see, I don't know if this shift or this uh, evolvement for lack of a better term, I don't know if the industry is kind of evolving into this phase um like permanently or not but in my opinion that's a big appeal to streaming services which i know we're going to get into a little bit deeper so we can save it for that but i just see like my generation like i'm 29 years old right Mm -hmm. and my generation is starting to get to that point where most people my age that gamed from childhood are now hitting this point in life where um they're you know, they're building families, they're having kids, they have full-time jobs, they're investing into their kids' lives, and they're just ultimately getting less and less time to game, but they're just as interested. And so what happens is you're not seeing people buy these $60 releases every month and sinking hours upon hours into them, but they will willingly pay for subscription services where they don't really have to worry about tracking what games are coming out when. They can kind of just load up a streaming service see what's new, what's hot, what's available, put a couple hours into it, get their gaming fix, and then check out, you know? So people like, I know both of you kind of know Zach. He's a perfect example of this. He's super into gaming. He loves video games, but he doesn't really have the time for it anymore. But he'll easily pay 12 to $15 a month to be able to just surf some streaming service and play like kind of like the newest thing that's available. And it feels a little bit like Amazon might be trying to appeal to that kind of crowd but with less of the gamer background knowledge (laughs) that wouldn't play the industry standard does that make sense at all yeah yeah Yeah, you pretty and i and the question is does that crowd exist because i feel like it's not a big enough crowd for it to be success well let me ask you this you basically just did a huge game pitch for game pass yeah (laughs) okay sure (laughs) sure sure yeah, uh, that's that's a problem. Like, if people are looking for a service like that, they're probably just gonna go with something like Game Pass or PlayStation Now. There's you're right. Uh, I mean, you're you're those are in- right because because Zach actually texted me the perfect example I had, and he was like, "Have you looked at Game Pass? It looks like such a good deal." <laughs> so that's the proof right there. You're right. And I, and I was just like, as you were explaining this, I'm like, I'm basically just seeing all of like the 18 million people that are currently subscribed to Game Pass and stuff like that. And so correct. 
that was really funny when you, I was like, is this, is this, is this just an ad for Game Pass? We'll, we'll, we'll roll with it. <laughs> well, it's just like, so is that, I mean, that. Gamer, add that to the list of shit that we do every single week now. Let's talk about Game Pass, yes. <laughs> New Cyberpunk update. Uh. Is that, is that proof enough that something like what Amazon's trying to do is never going to succeed? Um, I don't think it never succeed. It just has to do something different that the that like Game Pass doesn't do or something like that, or like the PlayStation Now doesn't do, it. and it doesn't do that because in in essence, the Game Pass and the PlayStation Now will just be better because they're more uh widely known games on that on that uh subscription they're put together by more well established companies that know what they're doing. They have the uh, developers in order to supply a steady stream of content and they have it accessible to so many other people like even playstation now you can stream through pc and now that um xcloud is rolling out like things like luna and stadia just don't make sense to me like unless you're planning on investing like multiple billions of dollars into a whole new gaming division i'm not sure what you're thinking trying to get into the game industry now yeah, I agree with that 100%. Yeah. Which is funny cuz you bring up like there's their studio and stuff like that. They much they've they've definitely had problem they've definitely had problems when it comes to like their the few games that they have put out that they've just had lack of experience is what people oftentimes say and that their engine they work with is just flat out up, outdated to the point so I just like you're trying to make games with someone who doesn't really know what they're doing when it comes to games and uh an engine that isn't quite as good as like unity or something like that. So I'm just yeah, sitting here yeah. going like, what is that? What are we doing here? What's what's happened? Well, know. only we'll, time will tell. I guess. We'll, we'll see. Maybe, maybe they'll put more time and effort into this. Now, now that Bezos is stepping down and Andy Jesse is coming up, maybe he'll put a lot of money and time into this. Who knows? That's, that is literally the only thing that has me questioning. Like, well, I have no idea what's going to happen because we have no idea what the new CEO's focuses are going to be, but it's highly doubtful to me. But yeah, we'll see. Yeah, I'm not holding my breath on this one either. No. So, so we did talk about uh, Luna a little bit. Let's talk about Stadia for a moment. After 14 months, Stadia shuts down its own gaming studio. Is this the is this the beginning of the end for Stadia? It's been the end for the last few months. But is 100%. is this the beginning of the end end? Like, is this it where it dies? Dead and it's going to continue being dead. Is this yes. where it officially calls death, though? Yes, there's... Google is done with Stadia, okay? Yeah. yeah. Like, everyone's known this for months. No, uh, like, uh, there's been very, very few new subscribers, if any. Like, anybody that's own, that owns a Stadia is trying as hard as they can to get rid of it. There's no compelling games on there, and it's for a price that nobody wants to pay for. Like, yeah, it's a bad idea that started bad, and it's gonna, and it's finally dying a slow, painful death. And their advertising alone and their marketing is so incredibly top notch. Like, honestly, their marketing—you can tell they put a ton of money and effort into it. And I'm like, you still—I mean, gamers kind of see right through it. I don't know about you guys, but every time I've seen a Stadia advertisement, I'm like. Mm, no um and so like to me when you're putting that much effort into everything you can possibly do for it to succeed and it's still having 
this much trouble that's just red flags that yeah this is this isn't the beginning of the end this is like just confirmation that it's been ending <laughs> oh yeah this is this is the confirmation death is near death is very near for for stadia yeah. i would agree with that uh when when you talk you're talking the uh the marketing materials i definitely was the same way as i just like this looks like crap what it why i don't understand i don't understand this so yeah i mean i was seeing it and i'm like man they have some pretty high production value on these on this marketing and i i want to know i mean we have the super bowl coming up tomorrow I was actually curious because I feel like last year I saw a bunch of advertisements during the Super Bowl for Stadia, um, and they were really trying to push it. And I'm trying to see if they're going to do the same thing this year because I doubt it now. I doubt it I after like this. Kinda... No. That, doesn't that stuff have to be planned super far in advance, though, or do you think they can back out? Like, I'm not familiar with that side of the industry. You you works. can base okay. So when it, when it comes to uh, uh, getting Super Bowl ads, you basically pay like mm -hmm. so much money, which is like some ridiculous number for like 30 seconds and stuff right. like that. And you can back out, but you're not getting you're getting like maybe 10 percent of the money you got you put into it, which is like yeah. basically nothing. At that point, you're better off just running the ad. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> so. They might just, you might say like, hey, subscribe to Google Stadia now. I really doubt that they're doing that. I think that the, I think that the, the ship has sailed for Google months before this, um, that they, were, they weren't even planning on doing that. So, and, and like you said, Google, Google, we see Google shut down stuff like this all the time. They, they are, they've shut down so many tech things that you're just, no one, that was one reason why a lot of people didn't get into Stadia at the beginning is like, this is just a thing. They're just going to, it's going to be there for like a month and then they're going to shut it down. So nobody's going to really want to get invested into this. I remember that was like one of the big arguments at the time where it was like, I, I just, I just don't see it working out. Right. Yeah. The funny thing. And I, I kind of see you wanted to talk about this a little bit, but um, it was like the one silver lining or glowing point of stadia was it happened to be the best place to play uh, cyberpunk, <laughs> which is mind blowing. To me. It, that is very funny actually it it actually was yeah I, I heard that i mean i don't have first-hand evidence of that but i've heard that from so many different sources i oh, i watched the terrible. difference between uh between that and playing on a, a ps4 to uh google stadia and it was mind-bogglingly better than that now obviously they still had tons of glitches and stuff like that on, on as a result of that but like the fact is that it didn't look like like a PS2 game on a PS4 already right. told me that, yeah, it's probably performed a little better on Stadia. <laughs> Mind-blowing. That's blowing. so weird. Like, and what does that mean, and what can people take away from that? Like, does that mean cloud-based services... Isn't there a way to do some type of, like, hybrid, I don't know, uh, engine using, like, cloud-based... Cloud like, basically to take the ease of any kind of graphical rendering off of the actual hardware of your current system i don't like i don't know if anything like that exists but the fact that it ran better on google stadia versus anything else is mind-blowing to me and i feel like that can't just be oh that's a funny joke and then like moved on like there's got to be something that developers can take away from that right right well it basically shows that the streaming like gaming streaming services can work but the tech just needs to be there and the effort has to be there that it like, like Google just did not put in the time and the effort. And I don't think the technology is 
quite there yet slash i don't know if internet providers are there yet that's that's the problem that's, that's, that's the real big problem yeah, i found the biggest issue i heard that if you have like a really good internet service that stadia actually works pretty well it's just majority of americans it, the isps just suck well well, that's the thing. The people that are sinking the amount of money, effort, and research into getting like insanely stable connections with the best ISPs, um, and you know, getting like these all the hardware that they need to and all of the services that they need to for everything to run smoothly, those are not the people that are going for a Stadia. <laughs> like exactly, they're gonna get kind of the industry standard, and that's that's the problem. Yeah, yeah, that that that's exactly it. And like the idea is to bring it to the the mass of people and i'm like mass people won't have big internet gigabit connections or whatever and stuff like that they're not they're just gonna have the bog standard internet probably and that it yeah we we saw what happens with that there's a gratuitous amount of latency yeah 100 percent. so yeah That's I, why I th it was a joke when stadia was like look at all these fighting games we have i'm like you <laughs> That is the one genre where you cannot afford to have any kind of lag or anything. Can't have that input lag. Nope. Yeah. Have terrible. you seen fighting game uh, gameplay through Stadia? Oh, no. It's so bad. Yeah. There's it's so much frame skipping. It's really, it's, really, really bad. It's like a guessing game at that point. It is. <laughs> That's really funny. So, yeah. For, for so like yeah this is this is definitely the end for stadia i wouldn't be surprised that within like a month or two they're just gonna say hey, shut it down just shut it all down you think it'd be that fast i was I, gonna say what do you guys think i i think i think it might be like a month like the like one of their big things when they when they first announced stadia is was big triple a games or whatever that right that big triple a first party triple a games and now that the state the 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 studio is down What's the point? What, what what's stopping yeah. me from just going on to like Steam and playing it through Steam anymore? Nothing. Yeah. Exactly. Internet needs to be free and good. Period. There you go. Just like Joel says. I agree with that because yeah. there's just too too many too many bad ones. Ah, <sighs> boy, oh boy. Uh Yeah. Enough Stadia. Um, so we, yeah, I so was we, literally just like looking at their website and I was like, man, they make it seem like it's such a good service. In theory, it is not. like they ever I keep hearing everyone say it's the future of gaming. And I'm just like, maybe in a couple of years is all I'm trying to right. say. Maybe when the tech is there, I don't feel like the tech is quite there yet. Slash Internet service providers aren't there yet. Correct. I feel like it's very similar, honestly. And this is a whole nother discussion, so we don't have to go there, but it just reminds me of VR. I feel like the potential for VR is there. We're still somehow not there, but like, what is it? Help me out. Half-Life. Half-Life Alex. Yeah, Half -Life that was Alex, like, yeah. I feel like that was literally the only glimpse we've had so far. Well, I guess the Counter-Strike looked pretty good too, but those are the only two glimpses I can think of of like, okay, VR legitimately has like a pretty good leg to stand on. But like it's surprising how far we've waited for VR to get to the point where it is now versus how fast people thought VR was going to take over. Does that make sense? I would argue it's still not quite at that point. Like it's getting there, but it's still a commodity that a lot of people still are going to have a lot of trouble getting into. Yeah. Like a lot of the good VR headsets are still around eight hundred to a thousand dollars. Yeah. Like if you yeah. have that amount of money, 
you should dump it into a gaming PC or yeah. a console and have some extra for accessories or TV or whatever, you know, like, yeah. And that, and not only VR that, is really going to take off when it becomes something that a lot of more people can afford though. Yeah. When it's a lot cheaper. And also the, the other thing is you need like a whole room for that. It's not yes. it's just like, like yeah. you need, you need space. Like right now I'm jammed in the corner of my room. I don't have room to do VR in this, in this place. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. And I feel like for a lot of people, they just don't have the room. Yeah, that's and, true. I mean, I have the pretty much the biggest room out of most people I know for something like gaming and stuff and streaming. Like this room's pretty big. And even I'm like, that is I don't even want to take up that much room with a VR. Like that is the last thing I want to do with this amount of room. You know yeah. what I mean? Yeah, no, I feel you on that one. Anyway, sorry, I didn't mean to get us off track. But no, I I feel like that's a that's a good that was a good uh comparison between the two. Is that it's there, and it's also that there's just not enough uh, developers trying to get into the VR uh, as yeah. well because they're seeing these problems at the moment. And when those problems start to go away, we'll see more people going into the VR realm, I feel like. Yep. Yeah. And the cost, I would agree with, too. Because if it was like 100 bucks or something, I would definitely consider it, um, which I know like PlayStations is close to that. But until the rest of it drops to something more affordable, there's no way. Because it's... Yeah, it's always like the same price as like competing consoles, I feel like. And I'm like, Ugh, it's like okay. double the price. So it's like the 800 <laughs> to a thousand dollars, like the the PS5 yeah. and uh, Xbox Series X's are like five hundred five hundred dollars. Yeah. So I'm just like, I'm, it's almost double. <laughs> yep, that's true. Nah, especially now when there's a new console year, I feel like it is it, when people are still trying, trying as hard as they humanly can to to get these con these consoles that are still hard to get oh boy you guys hear they st might still have shortages throughout um like late 2021 early 2022 yeah i did hear that i did not hear that I, the, 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 the there was going to be i heard i read that there's supposed to be like a shortage until like maybe june of this year and it all depends on how far how fast the vaccine gets out that's true so that's, I think that's really what it's all going to determine it. Yeah, that's fair. That's sad, though. It yeah. is. It is. Uh, what else we got here? What else we got? We got Epic. We got the Epic Game Store. We can talk about how much they've grown in the past year and all the things they want to be doing. Uh, so Epic Game Store users cl uh, claim about 749 million uh, free games last year. And they have some of those games were no joke. They were some really good ones. Uh, oh, my gosh. Yeah. I have uh, maybe three or four apps on my phone that notify me when sales of really any sort. Like I'm talking from a range of power tools to like uh, pillows or curtains for your house all the way to like electronics and video games. Right. And I have a bunch of those apps on my phone. And I'm constantly just scrolling through the deals. And yeah, I would say this last year, like I was in shock sometimes when my phone would go off because some of those alerts were free games on Epic. And I was like, did I read that right? Like, I'm trying to think of some of them, but like uh, I, Darkest Dungeon was one of them. GTA 5, yeah. Yep. You had the um, entire Dark Knight trilogy at one point. Yes, no, you not did. The dark, well, Arkham it, trilogy. it was the Arkham, was the, yeah, the Arkham trilogy. Yeah, yeah. Subnautica. Like, there was so many that I was like, seriously, that's free? Like, yeah. 
I remember for so long, and it's still kind of true, but there was no reason to have any kind of client on your computer other than Steam. And the only reason I ever really had like Origin downloaded was because that was the only place on PC at first that you could really play Apex Legends. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I remember I was like, there's just, there's no point of downloading Epic as a client. And now I would say about 40% of the time I launch Epic instead of Steam just because of the amount of free games I have on there. So it's definitely a brilliant strategy and it's really impressive to me. Yeah. It's kind of like the the same idea that um, PlayStation still runs with their PlayStation Plus service is that they, they put out the two free games per month. That is that is like legitimately 70% of the reason I, I still... Because one of my biggest things about being a fanboy for Sony, right, is because they still have a very strong um, presence when it comes to like single-player games. And so with that being said, the appeal of needing PlayStation Plus to play online multiplayer for a lot of their titles isn't that big of a deal to me. But what is is those two free games a month. And they're starting to step up too, like... No, like control which i wasn't a huge fan of when i played just like that hour or whatever but still like that caliber of quality of game is really impressive to release for free um for february yeah i agree yeah so yeah we we listed off a few we got darkest dungeon gta 5 there was battlefront 2 which resurged that game for a little bit uh is there some of my favorites amnesia the dark descent inside there was even civilization six and i could yeah. the list goes on and on honestly i don't really want to do the whole thing uh <laughs> but with with that popularity they've pledged to uh continue doing that for 2021 and 2022 as a result of this Jeez. that's really exciting that's, that's really awesome. exciting i will say that i i like i said i never had a reason to launch epic and now i catch myself almost every time i turn on my computer just checking the epic store and stuff just because it it has value now <laughs> which it didn't before and and that's exactly the thing everyone's like oh epic game store will never be as big as steam and that's probably true in in, in so uh just because steam was the first on the scene but at the same time it's like it's always nice to have that rival kind of um be there it's always comp- good it's always good to have competition that yeah. competition is a good thing yeah and consumer almost always benefits from it so it's yeah. like yeah it they're definitely like trying they're definitely making it enticing for developers to put their game on there with their uh partnership or the the, the year-long um uh, uh exclusivity deal that they have on some of their games which look at it good or bad thing i still think is incentivizing developers to want to do that yeah um yeah. also because they also get better pay cuts as a result of it uh than they do on steam i did not know that yeah yeah, there's a better well, pay cut on uh, on Epic Game Store than Steam. So all of those reasons, and going back to what you said, Alex, like competition is always good. That this also means that Steam is gonna have to like up their game slowly, you know, because they're actually feeling a threat come on. Which, not to say Steam hasn't been improving, but I think the rate at which they will improve will be drastically accelerated. The bi- uh, the big thing that I want from Steam is I want them to start. Like I get that their big uh, like their big um, business model is they collect that fifteen percent from basically every purchase that they get, and that kind of screws over developers though. So I really want to see them lower the price, lower the um, uh, percent, and let the developers get the max value from their game. 
I'm not sure if we're going to be able to see them do that, but that is absolutely what I'm hoping for. Well, especially when like Steam's known for these, and and the users are known for waiting for these huge sales. So it's like, yeah, you know, when you when you get a game for like two dollars and you know Steam is taking that much, it's like, dang, yeah, <laughs> that, that really sucks for the developers. So yeah, I would agree with that. Yeah. Also, uh, it forces Steam to start making games again. They they've stopped making games for how long before Half Life Alex came out? Years. Yeah. Years. I think the last one was Left 4 Dead 2, which was yeah. So, I I still firmly am a believer that Half Life Alex wouldn't exist without the Epic Game Store. That's a pretty bold statement, but I definitely think you have enough evidence to back it up. So yeah, that's an interesting point to make. 2009, so over a decade. Yeah. Jeez. So for about a decade, they were basically just collecting, uh, you know, the percentage sales off of uh, off of game sales. Because they could. Yeah. Hundred percent, they could. So yeah, yeah. This is more evidence to that. So yeah, it's always it's always great. Uh, so yeah, we we talked about like Steam is getting better. Epic Game Store is still lacking some of the things that like Steam has. Um, when it comes to like overall things, but they're definitely getting better. Every time I seem to open it up, it seems that they've added something new, which yeah, is yeah. which is good to see that they're still working. I know that at one point they had a roadmap of all the things they wanted to add on here. I don't know exactly if they stuck to that for 2020, but it'd be interesting to take a look at that and see where they are now and if they actually hit those goals. Yeah, because almost every company, even outside of gaming, has had to drastically change their four-quarter strategy mm-hmm. because of covid like yeah it, it would be interesting to see what they've changed or what they're planning for 2021 other than the the whole free game deal yeah it'll be like they, like i said like, like they're continuing this for 2021 and 2022 and it'll be interesting to see like they they talked about look out for some big ones there too and so i'm just like okay yeah i'm down <laughs> Okay, whatever you got, I'm sure. I'm sure I'll. I'm sure I'll just be like, okay, that. Yeah, there you go. Boop. Yeah, that literally just reminded me to check it because For the King is still free right now. Yeah, and that's a game I've teetered on buying. So there again, they have a reason for me to launch their client just now. And Metro. Jeez. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Anyway. Yep. Which Metro do they have on there? Uh, Exodus, uh, I believe. Exodus. Shoot, I just bought that a couple weeks ago. <laughs> See, that's what I'm saying. <laughs> yeah, it's all it's definitely just like if you're on the fence about eh, do I want this? And then it's just like, well, now it's free. <laughs> sure, why not? Oh man. All right. Where do we want to go next? I guess is my next question here. What uh, cheating thing? Sure, we could do that. Or what, or what else do we have on the agenda for today? Otherwise, we got yeah. the uh, Joy-Con drift investigation thingy and the EU, or we got the the increased cheating in Warzone. Which guys? What you want to do? Let's do Warzone first. All right. That sounds spicy. Get some spicy. This is kind of continuing off of last podcast, so I'll just give you. I'll give uh, Ghost a little bit of a rundown of what happened last week. Uh, yes, please do. If you haven't heard this, uh, last week there was an investigation into uh, a player. Well, not an investigation. It was, they had Twitch rivals for uh, Warzone going on, and one of the competitors said that this person was cheating. 
they Twitch took like about an hour to review all all the footage and they basically said, yeah, you're cheating. So they banned him and his team. Afterwards, it turns out that they really didn't have that much as much evidence as they thought they did in the whole banning of it. And so they kind of had to take a step back, say we're sorry. And then the other person that also did that said they're sorry. But uh, it was also shown that Warzone has a huge cheating problem as of right now, which is what I'm getting into now. But let's be fair, though. Like, it it did look like he was cheating. Oh, 100% Just to be it fair did. to the coach months. It, it, it did. It, it's, it, that's one of those ones where it's hard to really tell. The easy one is the wall yeah. hacks, right? Because that one's pretty obvious where you just like, you know, oh, you, yeah. you just there's no way that you'd ever get that uh, that much. So, uh, it, I mean, cheating's no is no surprise for a big online games like Call of Duty, right? Like it's been a thing for God knows how long, right? Too long. Yep. Yeah. Uh so yeah, then we talked about the one from last week. Uh, professional players have now started abandoning the game if Activision or, or uh, was Activision or Infinity Ward or Raven Software does well uh, if they don't do anything. And when you have people that play this game professionally saying, "Yeah, you don't do anything, we're done." So, that's that's not that's not a good sign for a game. No. Uh, so let's see. So only after they threatened to leave, sixty they they banned sixty thousand accounts that were reported for hacking, uh, and then they issue a what they say a zero tolerance policy. Now I have to ask you guys, what does this actually do when it comes to stopping cheating? Nothing. <laughs> exactly. Like, what does that mean, right? And then, because my thing is, it almost makes it. Um, Gosh, it puts more of a spotlight on what what their procedures are, because then if there is cheating that continues to happen, which there will be, it's mm-hmm. like the expectation of how they handle that is so much higher at that point, you know, because yeah. they announced that they have a zero tolerance policy. So what do they do? <laughs> right. So I feel like it almost it's like it's a two edged sword, because like, what do you do? You obviously want good PR. So you're going to announce something like that, but it also makes it incredibly strenuous when there are continuing to be cases for that and you have to handle it accordingly fast. Um, I I mean, kind of like what you said, to me, this just sounds like a bunch of PR talk. Like when it comes to there being a zero tolerance policy, like if you're proven to have been cheating in Warzone, you do get banned permanently. Like there's always been a no no tolerance policy right yeah exactly i i I don't really get what this is going to achieve really like you get banning the sixty thousand accounts that's that's good but uh you need to have like a better anti-cheat software in there to make sure like people aren't cheating because in warzone especially it's way too easy to do so and and in modern warfare you see people doing it all the time yeah yeah, that was one thing that was said last week that they kind of touched on um, was that the anti-cheat is like just outdated at this point. It's it's like two or three patches behind most other uh, online games. And I'm just sitting here going, how is this? Okay, fine, cool. Um, so yeah, that's pretty much what uh, those pro players or content creators really want is that they want 
the anti-cheat up to date. They want it to be good enough to to play, and so that way they don't have to do it like that. Uh, what the hell is it? And then we got the there was a YouTuber named Vicstar One Two Three that actually quit the game last week after the cheating was so blatantly uh, used during like streams. Um, mm-hmm. uh, there was like a streamer on Facebook Gaming. How did I not write down the name? I guess it doesn't really matter. Um, but the cheater was part of the part of the Facebook's Level Up program, which is basically their partner program. Mm-hmm. And they were basically getting paid to cheat live on stream. It was very obvious. It was very blatant, and there was nothing done about it by either the Facebook uh, gaming community nor about the or nor uh, Activision or anything like that. It's like really. <laughs> Come on, yeah. man! Oh boy, the only thing that would have the only thing would have incriminated more would have like the window for the mods up, like that are showing off your cheats on screen. That's right. Literally, the only thing that, that would have made it even more damning. Oh. Yeah, so. that's bad. It's funny that you say like, because uh, Alex, I think you just were talking about, or you mentioned earlier, like you're always they're always discouraging cheating before so the fact to say oh this is a zero tolerance policy we're putting in now it's like well what did you have before that like a 40 percent policy or like a 40 percent tolerance policy to a zero percent like i don't know it's yeah it is definitely just like pr it reminds me of all the times you hear in like school how they're like oh we're gonna take this more seriously or we have a no bullying policy and it's like so you did have like a a some bullying policy then before like that just doesn't make sense yeah yeah it really comes down to the players just want them to do something that's that's really all it comes down to no more than just a good pr rep at this point like the good yeah. and stuff like that they want them to actually do something to improve the quality of life of the game and what do they do they make vague silly promises to the players that this will happen and it's been about a week and nothing's happened. And and what does that come down to? Is it just because of the, the cost of um, man hours and development of like new anti-cheat software? Like, is that the reason why that's always like a last ditch effort to actually do what the players want is because of the cost of money? Because obviously saving face on PR is going to be much easy, easier and much cheaper. I don't know, man. I just, I just think that the, the the developers just have to give a damn about their game. It seems like, it, yeah, it. It's personal. It's personally what I think it is. Yeah, everyone knows that bullies stop when you tell them to. Of course, clearly. But yeah, it, it, it's until I, I think it's until the numbers start dropping that, and then Activision will just be like, okay, people are leaving the game. We actually have to do yeah. something now. Right. So it, it's really going to come down to the it, it comes down to the players convincing the the de- the developers to do something. That's right? true. Yeah, yeah, it's kind of sad, but that that's a hundred percent true. Because like you said, it wasn't until um, some people stopped playing that that's when they actually jumped in. And what is it? What did you say? They banned sixty thousand accounts. Yeah, yeah. It wasn't until that move. Yeah. So it's kind of. Ugh. I don't yeah. like that. That's what has to happen, but it's more proof that that's the only thing that works yeah and you could say this is just a thing on on pc right no 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 no. console console cheating has become uh (laughs) console console cheating has become big for 
I don't know, since since like the late uh, since like the past year, basically, there's been a lot more cheating on the consoles as well. Yeah. So it's definitely bleeding over. Everyone thinks that it's still oh, it's just those P those silly PC gamers and stuff like that. Just play on PlayStation and you won't have and you won't have those things. Not the case anymore. Yeah. So and we and like in past episodes, we me and uh, Alex have talked about um, uh, about developers shutting down cheaters and stuff like that. We had the case between by Riot and Bungie shutting down a couple ones. There was one last week. I forget what the name was. Who who is it again? I forgot. Do you remember Al? I think it was the last one I remember talking about was Bungie and someone else. Okay. I'm not sure. Yeah, I forgot. Oh, it was uh, it was Take Two. That's so, right. Okay. Yeah. For GTA. For GTA. Yeah. Yep. They, the GTA got one. They got a, a cheat a cheat provider shut down as well. So. Meh. Could be could be a sign that they're actually caring. I don't know. Maybe not Activision, but somebody. <laughs> oh man. All right. I don't know. How how do you stop cheating as a whole? You really can't. You just got to try and do your ways to prevent it from or making it as hard as humanly possible to cheat and stuff like that. Yeah. I don't know. I don't. I don't think many like. I'm not a big multiplayer game. Ghost, are you a big multiplayer game? I know you played Apex for a while there. You still kind of do? No, I'm not a big multiplayer game. I feel like the only um, genre of video game where I feel like I can relate to this a little bit is in the fighting game genre, especially when you see uh, the online lobbies and stuff, because really the only online games that do a decent job at stopping cheating are the ones that... Um, the ones that will take basically players that will rage quit on purpose to manipulate like their rank or whatever, because they kind of understand how the ranking system works. Um, and they know if they're losing a game and they rage quit right away, it won't count as a loss to their account. That's like a form of cheating. But then there's also people mm -hmm. that will cheat and uh, manipulate frame data and stuff like that. So in the fighting game genre, there are accounts that when they're discovered as cheating, it will literally place them in lobbies like street fighter has done this where it'll place you in lobbies only with other players that cheat so if you're rage quitting and your stats show that Ugh. the game actually can have a way of knowing like oh based on your stats like this is your incompletion rate of matches you're only going to be put in lobbies with other people that have the same exact incomplete um, rates so it's kind of funny it's like giving them a dose of their own medicine of placing them with people that are doing the exact same thing which doesn't make it fun and ultimately will it forces them to either stop doing it and play the right way or stop playing the game entirely. So I think most cheaters, I would hope at least would start learning to how to play the game properly. Um, but yeah, that's that. I feel like that's the only relation I have because I don't play a lot of multiplayer games online. Yeah. Yeah. Al, how about you? You play many multiplayer games? I know you play Halo quite a bit. Oh, yeah. Well, there's not really any cheating in the multiplayer world of Halo right now. Both Halo 5 and MCC have great anti-cheats, so I've never experienced it there. Modern Warfare is a much di much different story, oh, and yeah. Battlefield 5 is... We're not going to talk about Battlefield 5, okay? <laughs> okay. <laughs> there, there it's really, really bad, and especially because the devs don't give a fuck about it anymore. There's just cheaters running around everywhere. I, I played yeah. a match a couple of weeks ago where one guy got 89 kills, no no deaths. 
It was just standing in the one spot of the map the entire time, shooting everybody through walls. It was it was nuts, but yeah, that's not that's not great. So I more and more I look at this and I, I know I've brought this up several times. I just look at this as a as a recreation of Rainbow Six Siege, where it's it the game launched with no anti cheat um, and I don't know what the hell they were thinking and has slowly progressed and so has slowly progressed to the point where they are now. It, maybe, maybe this is that, maybe it's that case, but we'll see. They definitely, they, they, they like Activision recently just said that they, that they wanted to extend Warzone for another year. It's still, it's still going to be the, the free to play game that they're going to continue support for another year. But if cheating is still a problem, we'll see if it still gets played. <laughs> Yeah. Yep. So, well, we'll keep we'll keep a close eye on that. See what uh, see what Activision or Raven Software, or Infinity Ward have uh in mind for anything, or if nothing, or what the player base will do more. Yeah. We'll see. Yeah. We'll we'll see in the upcoming, upcoming weeks or months or whoever knows how long. Uh. Well, should we talk about one more thing that's kind of been a reoccurring theme as well? Uh, Joy-Con, yes, oh. the corn, the corn penguin, uh, the Joy-Con uh, uh, drift controversy on the Nintendo Switch. This is nothing new, right? People have been uh, can been complaining about this the drift for a long time. Um, I don't really use my Joy Cons because I know this is a thing. Uh, you guys, hmm. I I use a Pro Controller a lot, and so. How about you guys? I know you both own a Switch. Ghost, you're a big uh, Smash Brothers fan. Yeah, and I almost always use my GameCube controller, um, and that's just preference. I find it really hard to play the game with Joy-Cons, honestly. Um, and then, yeah, I the only time I ever use my Joy-Cons is if I go on a trip or something and I just have the convenience of handheld, um, or like Taylor and I will just be watching TV in the living room, and I'm like, I don't want to just you know, lock myself in my gaming room all night. I kind of want to be with her. So I'll sit on the couch with her and use my switch and handheld for that. And that, that point I'm using joy cons. Um, yeah, I feel the same way. I actually have two pairs of joy cons. Um, and I try to alternate them. I do whatever I can to extend the life of them. So I've not had any drift to my joy cons, but the funny thing is one of my strategies in that, like you kind of said, is I use a pro controller for games like breath of the wild or whatever else. Um, and I've noticed drift on my pro controller because of how much I've used it. I have to. Um, and I'm yeah. like, like there was times on at Breath of the Wild where I'd be like on the very edge of a cliff or whatever, and I would just like kind of stop. Link wouldn't be moving, and I'd go to take a drink of like water or whatever, and all of a sudden like <laughs> Link would just slowly walk off the edge of the <laughs> cliff, and I'm like, what the heck? So like, um, it's funny doing whatever I can to stop the drift on my joy cons has actually resulted in me experiencing drift on my pro controller. And it's just like, okay, this continues to be a problem for Nintendo, despite whatever controller they use. And I didn't think it's that big of a deal at first. I'm going to be honest. Like I always just kind of thought people would exaggerate. And I'm like, yeah, it's just wear and tear on controllers. Like who cares? Um, but I guess like, haven't people been threatening to sue or like lawsuits have come of it? There's been two like, class action lawsuits in the past two years over the Joy-Cons. Um, there was one filed in 2019. Uh, I don't remember the exact month. I don't think it really gave a month. It was 
back in 2019 there was one and then there was one filed back in 2020 um in october of 2020 to over the same issue so clearly this is becoming an issue because it's not because that they're uh that they are drifting it's the it's how easily it can they can start drifting like and like you were saying like the it, like all controllers have wear and tear. Eventually, at some point, they're going to start drifting. That's true for PlayStation, Xbox, Joy-Cons, whatever. It Everything's going to happen, but it's the rate that it happens. The Joy-Cons seem to have the lowest uh, lifetime when you're using them when it comes to it. Okay. That, I, guess I can kind of see that because I, I was always like, under what terms are these lawsuits? Because, like, big deal, kind of? Like, yeah, you're using a controller and it wears and tears, but... When I do realize that it wears out that fast, there's almost this curiosity or incentive of like, so is this on purpose so that people have to buy more Joy-Cons? Uh, 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 the big thing is that it's just a factory defect that is affecting a lot of these Switch consoles. And yeah, uh, drift can happen with control a lot of controllers over time, but with Switch, it's pretty much instantaneous. And at that point, it's... It doesn't brick the console in any way, but it's a big annoyance for a lot of people who paid like full price for the system and they're not getting a working product when they purchase it. Yeah, that's well, what it comes down that, to. Yeah, that's true. And then also like Joy-Cons in general, if you buy them individually, um, they just now changed that. I don't remember when. I feel like it was a few months ago where you can buy single Joy-Cons and not be oh. forced to buy a pair now. But still, if you are buying a pair, which most people are at a time, that's eighty dollars full yeah. retail. Like that is significant. That's more than the new standard for AAA games for the next gen consoles. Like, that's a yeah. lot of money. Yeah, it's definitely a lot of money. So, so yeah, there's been a new yeah, there's been a new uh, talk about wanting to investigate them. The European Commission has been asked to investigate them. The call comes from the European in, uh, Consumer Organization. Uh, they represent a lot of different organizations in the European uh, Union. So, and and as a result, it's a lot of customers underneath their underneath their belt that they're asking for. There's been over twenty five thousand complaints. They're just about all for the same thing. And when you see that many for the same thing, there's kind of some red flags that go through that go through their minds, and that's why this is all happening. Um. So it's like, what do they say? 88% of the time, Joy-Cons start experiencing drift within, they say, two years of use, which I still think is a decent amount for the interest, for the, for the, uh, for like a Joy-Con. Yeah. Yeah. So, but I looked into that more and it's actually within most, most are within uh, anywhere between three to six months. Yeah. I was going to say that's the number that I'm more familiar with. Um, and the other problem of it is a lot of people will say like, oh, well, if you, you know, submit a claim or whatever it is to Nintendo, a lot of times they'll allow you to ship your Joy-Cons in and they'll, you know, replace them or fix them. But I had a friend who actually did that and, uh, he had to wait like something up to like two to three weeks to get them back, which is like, you know, you can kind of expect that, especially when you're shipping directly to Nintendo. However, you know, he was experiencing Joy-Con drift and he shipped it and he was going on vacation the next two weeks. And then he was like, I didn't even get him back in time for when I left on vacation and wanted to bring my Switch. Oh, no. And I'm like, yeah, that's, Jeez. I mean, that's poor planning on his part. But also, like, you think about it, you ship it and it's like you're waiting two weeks and then 
you know, you're still waiting a whole nother week before. I mean, that's kind of a long time when you think about it. Yeah. Yeah. Because without, it's, it's without like Joy Cons for the most part, like unless you're using a pro controller or, I mean, just uh, Joy Cons, you can't use it on the go, which is like half of what makes the, the Switch a Switch. Yeah. 100%. So, yeah. There's that. So, uh, let's see here. So I guess my question is, do you think anything will come of this? Because we've seen these things before. Like, is no. is anything going to happen with this? No, no it's going to be I, all dropped again. Yeah, I think it, I don't think anything will really happen. If anything, it will be much more of kind of what we talked about. It will be more PR statements than anything. Um, or just continued offers of, you know, replacing Joy-Cons if you're having issues with them, which doesn't. I mean, there's even been reports where like, yeah, I did send mine in. They did get fixed. They sent them back. And three months later, I had more drift. <laughs> so it's like, yeah, yeah I, don't, I don't foresee. I don't foresee it happening. I mean, even me, somebody who's not experienced it on either one of my pairs of Joy-Cons yet. Um, I remember when it came out and hearing about it, I watched countless YouTube videos about how to take them apart and fix them myself just in case. And I'm like, I shouldn't have to do that as a consumer. I shouldn't have to pre prepare myself for a factory defect of a console I bought when it's this new, you know, yeah. but I don't foresee them doing much, um, which is a shame because I don't know. Nintendo is such an interesting company. I feel like they make absolutely amazing products, but when it comes to, I was just having this conversation with somebody the other day, but I guess when it comes to their services or their perception of what their audience wants, I feel like it's not, it's not great. Yeah, I agree. I, I agree to that to an extent, I guess. It, it's it's that sort of same. Yeah. Yeah. It's like they do. They do make good stuff for the most part. But at the same time, it's like they aren't afraid to also protect what is theirs. We've definitely seen oh, that. Definitely not. Yeah. yeah. We, we've de we've definitely seen that if over, you know, you got the whole stuff with the free melee stuff. Um, God, yeah, that was huge. that that's that's the biggest one that comes to my mind right off the bat. Uh, any yep. modding whatsoever. Uh, I know there's like a lot of Pokemon fan games they've tried to shut down in the past. Well, um, and then there's also like a, a decent controversy, actually, about the latest, the Super Mario Brothers 3D All-Stars that had uh, Super Mario Sunshine, Super Mario Galaxy and Super Mario 64 for the Switch. I watched a whole video about um, how bad that release is compared to like previous, um, I don't know what to call them, but like legacy collection releases, basically. It's got almost nothing to it. And the ports that they are for Switch, they're pretty bad. Like people are going over the Super Mario Sunshine one and they're like, yeah, you have to use, I think you have to use either Joy-Cons or the Pro Controller. And both of them are really bad for controlling flood, like the little water pack on the on your back. I um, starkly disagree, you, but really, yeah, I I oh yeah, I've played through all, all of Sunshine. I I personally didn't experience any issues. The big one with me was the um, Super Mario sixty four port. Okay, that I considered damn near unplayable, and they took so much charm out of that game. It's wow. it's sad. So in in what regard? Like the level were the level designs different? Or is it did they change a lot? Or was it just not ported with care? Like 
Yeah, so it's it comes down to a lot of things. That game was very much meant to be controlled with a, the N64 controller. And I really got an impression for that when I tried playing it with the Xbox controller on my PC. It just didn't feel right. Maybe it's just me being stuck in my old ways because that was one of my earlier, one of my first video games. But, and they were, there were just a, it's hard to describe. There were a few different little things that they took out that really upset me, like little bits of dialogue and it seemed like the resolution was sharper, which made the game look worse. It was just yeah. a few things that I didn't, was not a personally a fan of. I, I shouldn't say unplayable. That's that's really harsh, but I, out of the three ports on there, I'd say that one was the worst. And so it's just, I, yeah. So I've heard things yeah. like that, and it just goes to the point of they really are not afraid to protect what's theirs, but then the, the problem, and there's no problem with that. Yeah. The problem is then that they will refuse to re re-release or um polish up any of that stuff that is theirs in a correct manner and they take forever to do it right that's why i'm really nervous about pokemon snap the new one because i'm like how is this gonna be yeah so yeah i've i've i definitely feel that um what was it i'm uh, going like like you, you brought up an interesting point because like you, you don't they don't re-release these games, and so it's like it's hard to play like these old games for people who do want to play them and stuff like that. Um, you go back like most Pokemon games, oftentimes end up getting re-released fairly recently. Um, mm -hmm. What was the, the, the behind Sword and Shield? What was the way someone behind Sword and Shield? I forgot. The controversy? No, no, no. There was uh, there was another game before Sword and Shield came out. What was the last Pokemon game? Was there a big remake that came out before Sword and Shield? I don't remember. Not, no. for, not for the Switch, at least. I know not for the Switch, but I thought there was one no, I was thinking of. Okay, clearly I'm wrong. Uh, yeah. Oh, yeah. There was Let's Go. That that's a that's a that's a oh, good one. That one. That's a good example, though. Honestly. Yeah, that's 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 you had Let's Go for the first one, but for the uh, first generation. It's like before that, playing the first generation was what was it? Fire Red and Heart or Fire Red and uh, Leaf Green were the only other two before that. And those were Game Boy Advance games. Yeah. Yeah. Which That's are how old at this point? Right. So I was like, I don't think many people are running around with Game Boy Advances or SPs nowadays. No, I still got mine, but I feel like how many right. people I do? Still, <laughs> yeah, I still got mine too, but it's exactly most people. Most people aren't. And if they are, I mean, even me, I, I rarely pull it out. I mean, I pull it out when I'm like going on a trip or something because um, I'm like, oh, this will be fun to have on the road or whatever. And honestly, now that I have a switch, I barely ever do that. Yeah. All right. You got to head out, Al. Yeah, I'm I'm already late to get back from my break, so I, I got to Oh, do. shoot, you are. Yeah. Sorry about that. All right. Talk to you later. Oh, you're good. Talk to you later, guys. Hey, man. Bye. All right. Bye. Well, we'll just finish off this conversation here and then uh, call it a day, I guess. Um, let me just readjust you here. I, uh, you know what? Hold on a second. Oh, well, didn't they didn't think this one through, now did I? <laughs> <laughs> this this is just your camera now. <laughs> Sounds good. Uh, let's see. Okay. Let's readjust. There you are. Look at you. You're just beautiful. Exactly. You can look at my uh, look at my Discord there. That's cool. Um. 
there. Uh, so where were we again? Uh, we were at the remakes and stuff like that. So yeah, you got hard, you got uh, Let's Go, and uh, you got like Heart Gold and Soul Silver, Omega Ruby, and uh, uh, Sapphire. Just like the last ones, they also added on to their own things with the uh, what was it that, that was like Mega Evolutions for Omegas, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, I I don't know. I I'm not like a huge Pokemon fan, but everybody that I've talked to that's super into it says that's just they continue to do that stuff where they add some kind of uh, like gimmicky evolution attachment to every like new release. Because um, like in Sword and Shield, they added Dynamaxing. And once they started, uh, like data miners that went through it and everything already realized, I can't remember how they realized it exactly, but apparently it's already realized that they are not implementing a maxing for future releases already. Yeah. Which I guess isn't too surprising to me. No. Um, considering we Z all moves with gen eight. Z yes, moves. Yes. Right. Z moves is gen eight. Um, yeah, so it really comes down to then if you're going to be so so protective over these, uh, uh, if you're going to be so protective over these uh, games and stuff like that, you have you can't be you have to be able to like re-release them within times. But some people will take offense to being of uh, of constantly re-releasing games and stuff like that. And you know, I mean, you don't have to buy them, but <laughs> some people will be right. like, "Well, now I got to buy them," type thing. And I'm like, "No, you don't." It's like if you got a system yeah. where it still works, like you don't need to. Um, yeah, it's just right. That's why people get upset though, because they put so much. A lot of people and modders are putting so much effort into um, b- making sure that these games continue to be playable. And, you know, and Nintendo gets mad at that, and it's like I understand it to some extent because it's you know technically illegal and all this stuff. But when you look at the bigger picture of it, it's like you know these are just and it really is just evidence of your fans loving your game so much that they want to continue to pour in effort to make them continually playable because you, the company are not. Yeah. So like, I really wish that they would remaster melee which they're not going to because they're, you know, putting so much effort into ultimate and I love ultimate. A lot of people have issues with it. The only issue I have with it is um their online is god awful um but other than that i i love it but i understand the value of like remastering melee and obviously they have tons of titles that they could do that with um they also i know we're like pretty much at the end but i don't know if you heard about this they also just put a kibosh or canceled they had like a live action star fox or zelda series on netflix that was supposed to happen and they just canceled that they like pulled the plug on it Huh. Have you heard about that? No. No. Interesting. Oh my gosh. Yeah. So they had that in the works or the plans, and I don't know if it was COVID. I don't know what it was, but they just announced that they're pulling the plug on it and it's making people wonder like, does that mean that they have something new in development or did it just fall through? Did it get too expensive? Um, whatever it is. But I'm like, man, I am not a uh I'm not a business person by any means. And so I don't know what I'm talking about, but I do feel like like, just think about this. I was having this conversation with Zach. You have all of these people, again, that are like millennials or or younger even or whoever that are having these families that don't have the time. And all of a sudden, they're all people that have these streaming services like Disney Plus, Disney Plus or Netflix or whatever it is. 
and you release a mini series on Star Fox or Zelda or whatever it is on Netflix, you sit down, you watch it with your kids, you have those nostalgic vibes or fumes or whatever else like re-spark in you. And all of a sudden, it probably is enough to get you to look back into those games and buy them either for yourself or for your kids or whatever. It just seems like a slam dunk and an easy way to make money for Nintendo. But I don't know all the ins and outs of it. So it's just kind of a question of what does this mean? And do people need to be worried or should people be hyped because are they shifting their focus to something else with those franchises? Yeah, who knows? I guess we'll uh, yeah. we'll see. Yeah, uh, going back to Pokemon here for a little bit. Uh, there's there was the rumor that Gen Four is getting a remake for the Switch at the uh, towards the end of this year. So that's what a lot of Pokemon fans are hoping for. Is it, this is also the 35th anniversary of Pokemon, is it not? I, I believe so. Oh, I think it might be. Yeah. Yeah. I'll, I the my only radar for Pokemon stuff was Pokemon Snap. To be honest yeah. with you, and I, I know I have we, not pre-ordered it, but me either. I I I also yeah I just remember seeing that headline a couple weeks ago i believe of uh diamond and pearl are getting a remake and i'm just like ooh, that's that was like the last gen i actually played so i'm kind of interested to see if that will actually be a thing because i know you talked about in your last stream that you're not the biggest fan of, of sword and shield you definitely don't feel the need to go back and i'm about the same way i still go back when on occasion it's the 25th anniversary not 35th uh that's that's zelda zelda is the 35th anniversary um oh, okay uh, but yeah, I was like, I, I still don't really feel the need to go back. I mean, I played the DLCs for, uh, the sword and shield they were all right, I guess, but yeah, I, I mean, there's longevity in them. They add enough to keep people interested, but it's this weird thing where like, like somebody of my level of fandom of it, I think they have enough content in that game for me to go back. Um, a big reason why I go back, just a disclaimer, is I actually lost my cartridge of it, which oh, is really no. disappointing. I know. I, I like have this little red case with all... Because I only have four Switch games that are physical copies. Everything else is digital. And that was one of them. And I checked the cartridge, and it's just... It's not there. And hmm. I haven't been able to find it. But anyway, um, so that's obviously the biggest reason, is I physically can't play it. I'm not going to go buy it again, because I already beat it. Um, but the people that I do know that are super into it like the people that play the competitive leagues and the battles and then they do the raids or they're shiny hunters or whatever. I don't know. They just, it doesn't seem like there's a, a level of interest or enough for them to continually play it. Like it doesn't seem like smash bros. When ultimate came out, they were like, this is going to be the smash brothers that we continue to take care of for a long time. So don't expect like, they basically came out and said that. Don't expect a new release next year or the year after. Like, we're going to try to make this last. Um, and it doesn't seem like that was true for Sword and Shield. So No, definitely was It's kind of a good thing for most people because that means that they are going to continue to move on. Um, but, yeah. So I, I would say that those rumors aren't too far off because it doesn't seem like they're treating Sword and Shield as a continuous thing. No. Which is I good, right? I, do, I don't think. I, don't th I didn't think they would be either uh boy yeah i tried ultra moon and i just quit pokemon that was where i said yep i'm done with pokemon for a while was uh ultra moon this is like oh boy ultra moon wonder locks huh i'm i'm like your typical like gen one purist and i i wouldn't i wouldn't restrict it quite that much because i did play gen two and loved it um 
but I just couldn't keep up once Gen 3 hit. I had a really hard time keeping up, if I'm being completely honest, which I'm sad about because I keep hear, hearing people say, like, Diamond and Pearl were really good. Um, I know a couple people that said Black and White were really good. Eh. I, just, I feel like there's a lot I'm missing out on. Eh. But no, you don't think I, so? I, I, stopped, I, I stopped really caring about Pokemon after uh after diamond and pearl that was like gen 4 was where i was like all right this is like the perfect spot if i could cut off pokemon for the rest of my life and just play these four generations of pokemon i'd be happy with that because i played black and white and i was just like i didn't think it was necessarily bad i just didn't think it was good so yeah it kind of just blends together yeah there's that you gotta practice your poke wraps yeah after the next generation there's gonna be a thousand different pokemon I was going to say, how many are there now? It's like 950-something, if I'm not mistaken. So Gosh. Many. Just so many. So, hey. Yeah, looking at that. Uh, I guess finishing up the, uh, the Joy-Cons thing, uh, the European Commission hasn't uh, decided whether or not they're going to pursue this, and they're not sounding particularly hopeful that they're going to pursue this as well. So, yeah. There's 806, apparently according to Tiny Bubbles, and he's our Pokemon expert, so I 100% believe him. 806, though. I remember I felt like such a cool person when I memorized the original Pokemon rap. I was like, I know all 150. All right, do it now. No, I'm not. (laughs) Been like 20 years, like literally 20 years. I was like nine years old. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, we all all heard the Poke rap, and we all wanted to sing that, didn't we? Oh, I had, because I had the... uh, my parents bought me the soundtrack for I think it was there was like a, a a generic like Pokemon CD that came out. It was like before the first movie and everything, and it had like any kind of musical release for Pokemon at that point. And the Poker Rap was on there, and it was really long. And I used to just play that CD on loop, and I had the whole thing memorized. And then I remember Gen Two came out, and I was like, forget it, like it's over. I can't. I'm not, I'm not memorizing this. That's fair. Yeah, that's fair. Gen Gen two, I still think is my favorite, though. Yeah, Gen two is really good. It's really yeah. really good. Yeah. So that that's. Yeah, I I I just I just hope one day one day the uh, the Nintendo gods will decide to ease up on their uh, on their like, hey, this is ours, so don't do that. Yeah, I don't really understand like where that mentality came from with them. Like why they're so stubborn and where it kind of initially happened. Because correct me if I'm wrong, but didn't Nintendo basically to wrap up their kind of like story of success, didn't they kind of start off really successful, then hit a point where they were almost bankrupt? And then right around maybe like the Wii, they started to bounce back. Does that sound about right? Or is that not quite right? Are you not Um, sure? I think Wii was the thing that took them to be like part of the big three. Yeah. I think really that was like where they, where they ascended to like, they were just like before it was just kind of like Sony and Microsoft fighting, fighting the console war. And then the Wii came around and it's like, Oh snap, Nintendo stepping up their game and entering, entering the console war and stuff like that. And we're just like, I think that was kind of where 
I mean, obviously they, they were big on, they were like kind of big on the map for a lot of people with the previous ones that you had the original Nintendo, the SNES, the 64, all those ones. Yeah. But like, that was the point I feel like when they went, all right, now we're going to kick it up a notch. Yeah. And it's the only other thing that I feel like is glaringly obvious with Nintendo is the, the, the Western audience is very much treated like that third child or whatever you want to call it, whatever kind of comparison, right? It's like, yeah. they know, they know they have a huge Western audience, but we're definitely not their priority when it comes to game development or listening to the consumers. Like we're such a second afterthought and it's painful because the Western audience is like in love with Nintendo, but at the same time, it makes sense but it also doesn't make sense. It's like you could really capitalize on this revenue if you listen to the Western audience as much as you do, you know, kind of like your first child, basically. So I don't know. I, I don't know if that necessarily is a factor into the fact that they're so, for lack of a better term, greedy with their IPs. Um, but you got to wonder how different it would look if they did treat kind of the Western audience differently. Yeah, it'd be interesting. I we'll we'll see if we can get there. But uh, Nintendo's competitive audience in the four Nintendo, but eh, kind of. I mean, they've got a bunch. They've they like they they don't really have competitors because they kind of just do their own thing. Yeah, in essence, that's one hundred percent. It's like as much as we would say it, like like to say like they're a cons they're they are a console one, and like they're, but they're not directly competing against PlayStation or Xbox. And it's strange the things that they seem to randomly excel at. Like, obviously, with with COVID, this has changed a lot. But even before COVID, we were starting to see the decline of, and this is a really random example, but I just, I remember noticing it. The decline of shows like, um, I was going to say, yeah, E3. The, the decline of, like, E3 showcases and, um, you know, like, things like Sony Direct or... Um, I'm, I'm like struggling to even remember what these were all called, but like where they would sell out these auditoriums and do like these huge showcases for new releases coming out and everything. Cause you remember Nintendo was the first one to kind of be like, yeah, we're not going to be there this year. We're yeah. going to do a Nintendo direct and it's all going to be pre-recorded. Yep. And everybody was like, what? And then I don't know. At first, when I heard that, I was like, well, that's stupid and disappointing. And then I watched it and I was like, no, that was clearly the way to go. And now every company's like, oh, this is so much cheaper. We have so much more control over it. We don't have any embarrassing moments. Like, and it's sad that things like E3 are, are, are not really around anymore, or at least not as powerful as they used to be. But at the same time, you totally get it from a business perspective. Um, so it's things like that where Nintendo has the upper hand and they have the foresight to jump ahead and advance. Um, or even like the Switch, like, I don't think it's true, but there's been rumors for so long now that Sony's trying to do something like that. Um, this whole like handheld to docked version of a console um, and develop their own thing like that. Like they're, they're just so random at the things that they succeed in and then so vastly far behind on other things. Like freaking A, how long did it take them to throw an HDMI input on one of their consoles versus everything else, you know? Yep. Um, like that's like just straight up embarrassing to me. So I don't know. It's it's weird. It's really weird the decisions that they make, the business decisions. They sabotage the Smash community. Yeah, a hundred percent. Yeah, it's very painful. Yeah, it, it's very odd the of uh, the things that uh, Nintendo 
kind of waits on and then the things that they succeed on and stuff like that. Uh, I definitely, when I saw the first Nintendo Direct, I was sitting there going like, all right, this is probably where things are heading now with the internet as big as they are. And years after, they were still doing like in-person conferences. And I'm just like, okay, well, maybe this is just Nintendo just doing Nintendo things and stuff like that. Yeah. But right. uh, but with yeah. COVID, like, like you said, with COVID this year, E3 was non-existent it, it was all these companies just doing their own thing and making their own videos and we had me uh uh me and uh alex were talking about when that when that was going on is like is this the death of e3 it did COVID kill e3 and yeah to be honest with you yes i think i think it officially did i think it did too because there's almost no reason to have e3 anymore like there there's really not they've proven that they can continue doing what they do at e3 uh, virtually, digitally, however you want to say it. I mean, you don't have journalists going out and it, it probably hurts the little guys the most. The indie studios or developers that were showcasing their games at the little side booths and stuff that journalists could go and play, get early access about, and then write a you know article about and promote it. So sadly, those are probably the few people that, that get hurt by this. But companies like Nintendo... Um, you know, Sony, Microsoft, the big guys, they're not hurt at all. And in fact, it probably helps them sadly because it cuts way down on cost. Um, yeah. It's so much easier to throw together a video that's already pre-recorded and everything and then just release it as a direct. And that's why my theory of E3 being uh, in, being more of like an indie convention now will might be yeah. the case where it's not, it's not this big thing that's highlighted, but it's still there, just really only for the indie devs. Which is fine. Yeah, I think that's I think that's good because uh, then the indies, uh, the indie developers can still get some, some like uh, people with the game in their hands type deal. I mean, that's how one of my favorite games, Darkest Dungeon, first started. Is that they were just they were an indie. They showed up to uh, E3 one year. They got put in this corner, and everyone loved the game. Yeah, right. And it is always kind of those like random successes. Absolutely. Yeah. So. Was it the Wii U that had HDMI? I think that was the first one. I'm pretty sure because I remember reading some type of article where Nintendo rarely, very rare, but Nintendo realized their mistake after the release of the Wii. Um, there's some kind of misunderstanding about, what is it? I'm going to mess it up, but either component or composite cables, whatever the yellow, red, and white are. Yeah, that you plug I think they're, into, they're like, components component okay yeah, yeah there's some confusion about nintendo had a belief that since they were still this family party console that the majority of their audience and market were going to have component cables on older tvs rather than the newest bleeding edge technology even though an hdmi at that time was not in any by means any new bleeding edge it was pretty standard they still had this belief that their console was going to sell better if component was the the standard and everybody was like why not just just put an hdmi like it's not that hard so they i remember reading an article where like they immediately realized their mistake within the first quarter of the wii's release and they were like the next console is definitely gonna be hdmi so i do feel like the wii u is the first one that had hdmi yeah i definitely remember the wii having compo components um i i i like I, I, I understand their argument for that. I, I actually kind of agree with it to an extent. Um, but like you're saying that to think that component was the standard at the time, not necessarily the case, but like 
I, I I get that they don't want to leap too far ahead and make people think that, that that this can't you can't run this without having the new HD things. Like they didn't want to force people yeah. to to go out and get HDTZs if they didn't have them and stuff like that. So this is kind of like this is the safety net. Everyone still has this because this is still on every TV and and now so now it's like and then you, like they were saying now you can move up to hdmi yeah now we it would be weird not to have hdmi because how many screen how many tvs have components these days right not too many anymore yeah i had to buy an adapter and then like because right it depends on your audience and with the playstation 5 like i got a playstation 5 and i immediately hit this point where i'm like oh my gosh i literally have to go buy a new tv because and i didn't have to this is a first world problem but i was like i want to see my ps5 display in 4k like I want to because it's the only it's the first time I've ever had a device that can do that. So I went out and bought a brand new TV just because of this console. And yeah. I think that's what Nintendo wants to um, kind of avoid because that's not their audience. And that's part of the reason going back to Smash just for a second, like that's part of the reason I struggle with all the controversy because I agree like for the most part, if I had to pick a side, yes, Nintendo sabotages the Smash community. They need to pay more attention to the competitive uh, side of things. But forget so many times that uh sakurai and the whole smash team their priority 100 percent is the fact that it is a party game that the majority of people are buying they're all having like joy cons they throw items on they play any stage they want and they um, just have a good time with final smash on and all that and it's designed for like families friends at a party like that that is the the people that are playing it just like mario kart they're not worried about you know they have online because it's there but they're not worried about the competitive side of Mario Kart players. They know that it's going to be mainly like a family playing with Joy-Cons. Um, and so people forget about that because the other day, like whenever I hit a rut where I get bored of Smash, I realize it's because I'm playing the game the same way every time. I'm jumping on with a friend one-on-one, no items, and we're playing competitively. And whenever I like feel like the game's getting stale, I'll just throw items on and Final Smash and all these crazy stage hazards and everything. And honestly, every now and then, that's really fun to do. Yeah. And when you do that, you realize actually how much, like if you play the Spirit Board or the Adventure Mode, you realize how much they've actually poured into the game that you, at least me, uh, typically don't dive into or don't play that side of the game. And so there's so much development going on. And so when you look at, I know Smash isn't Nintendo as a whole, but when you look at that as an example, you got to realize like, okay, they have to try to appeal to every single audience the best that they possibly can. And as a result of that, they definitely miss the mark on the more serious gamers and the competitive gamers. But business-wise, that doesn't seem to hurt them very much in the long run. It's just a very unfortunate sacrifice that the competitive players have to make. Yeah. It, it'd be... Like, I don't think there's anything wrong with going the very casual side. It's definitely where Nintendo has wanted to be and stuff like that. Mm. But they also have to realize that there are people who want to play this competitively and should try and offer some support to them. Yes. And uh, the people that do play competitively and take it seriously are also the people that Nintendo can bank on continuing to spend money and support those releases. Yeah. Not like the casuals would, you know. So it is this very two-sided coin, you know? Yeah. Because I don't think I know any casual Smash players that bought any of the fighter passes, but I'm buying them day one, and I don't even know who the releases are. 
that's that's fair. I mean, I did, I did, yeah, I did that with Fighter Pass too. I didn't even know who it was. I was just like, well, it's Fighter Pass two. I'm probably gonna buy it regardless and just have fun with exactly. it. Exactly. Yeah, and I'm so. already disappointed in some of the releases, but I'm still not like I'm disappointed in some of the releases. But if they're like, hey, we have a Fighter Pass three, I'd buy it right now. I don't. I, I, don't I think they there. said this is the last Fighter Pass for they did a while. Exactly. I, I would think. I, I I doubt it'll be the last one. But I think it'll be the last one for a while. Yeah, because they're going the same route. I mean, just seeing they're not a fighting game. They are not treating it like any of the major fighting games out there. But um, if they treat it the same way, which it seems like they sort of are, uh, things like Tekken 7, Street Fighter 5, Dragon Ball Fighters, those games have been out for quite a while now, and they're just continuing to add patches uh nerfs and buffs and then uh releasing dlc and smash ultimate is kind of treating it the same way they're not having a new smash coming out anytime soon so it's weird to think that after fighter pass 2 if this really is the last one because they also said that they're not adding any more additional game modes so if that's true they have nothing else to add because that would mean they're not adding new music new characters new stages um, they're not adding new modes. So that means really the only thing that they would be adding is uh, patches, like buffs and nerfs. So there's no way. I just don't. I guess at that point, they would just stop and then just work on the development for a new Smash. But it's weird to me to think that they would just stop adding to the game for years on end while they develop a yeah. new title. So we'll see. Like like we said, Nintendo's a weird company. They they do what they want. <laughs> like. Yeah. We like it, it, wait, wait. Will you and me look at it? They could keep going. They could make a minor, They could make a fighter pass three, four, five, six, and people would still buy it and stuff like that, and still really enjoy it. But they're Nintendo. They don't want to do that for whatever reason. And right. and we're just gonna look at Ultimate and go, it's Smash. Yep, hundred percent. It's it's really really kind of sucks. I know, <laughs> I know, because that is that's the that's what Nintendo's kind of always been. They've been this company that puts out absolutely amazing product that people love that's somehow not treated that well. <laughs> it's like the weirdest dynamic. God, you know? it really is. It's it's very strange. I do not yeah. understand it. I don't either. <sighs> I don't. I ever will either. So Nintendo still believes they are a toy company, not a console company. Yeah, that's true to some extent i feel like i was like with how many Gosh. with how many with how much money they make off of like plushies from like pokemon and stuff like that i could definitely see that Well, that's the thing i'm like you know how many so you know how much money they can make off of um doing some kind of collaboration with different like figure companies like i'm literally looking back here and i have like a, a charmander and a squirtle pop figure but what comes to mind is how many amiibos they make that you know incorporate with their games make sense business-wise but people are not buying Amiibos necessarily. Like, a lot of people do, but they're not the figure community, because I don't know what to call it, but people that buy these and take them really seriously, they don't consider Amiibos up there with, like, um, like what is it, SH Figure Arts or something like that, or like, Van Presento. What is it, like Funko Pops or whatever? Or Funko Pops, like any of like the big names for figure collectors. Um, Amiibos not up there. They're not hmm. collecting amiibos. Like people that collect amiibos do it for fun, or they do it because they want to collect them. But they're not like highly regarded in the figure collection community. And I'm just like, gosh, Nintendo, you can make a huge amount of money if you had some like official 
um, collaboration with them. Because like I said, there's literally right here, Squirtle and Charmander. I know they have like Funko Pop collaborations and stuff, but for the most part, there's not this um, staple default collaboration. And the things they do decide to collaborate on blows my mind. Like they just announced um, recently an official collaboration for Animal Crossing and Hello Kitty, which is the weirdest thing to me because... I don't know, like Animal Crossing, you know how many unique characters in that series that they can make an absolute fortune on if they had like Funko Pop exclusives of Animal Crossing figures, but they don't. So I don't know. Figure and statue collectors. Thank you. Yes, that's what I meant. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's just the things they choose to collaborate on blows my mind. I'm like, Hello Kitty, that's what you collaborated on? And all of the merchandise that's coming out is like definitely aimed at like ages six and below. Like they're like borderline baby toys. Um, and they're like Nintendo official, like uh, official license now. And I'm just like, that's not, that's not where your money is. <laughs> I don't get it. I don't get it. Yeah. Uh, it... Alex would kill for a Funko of Raymond. I would too, honestly. Yeah. It's like, they really just, they just really don't make sense a lot of the times. So, yeah. And then like the Pokemon snap thing, I was just thinking if you pre-order it right now, from Target specifically, you get a uh, magnetic picture frame as your pre-order bonus, and I'm like, okay, you could charge, like you could charge like an additional like forty to fifty dollars on a pre-order if you were like in a, a, a limited run disposable camera, even if you made it look cool enough, you know, or like you could just make money if you put a little bit more thought or effort into the things you're including because people beloved your um, products so much that they'll basically shelve out money for anything you release. So why are you not putting more effort into those to make as much bank as you possibly can? Well, and then let's, let's, I'm, I'm going to throw myself in the mind of Nintendo. We are a, we are a family gaming company and stuff like that. We're, we're not, we don't think that the hardcore fans exist for whatever reason. And sure. that, they they're like, hey, let's just throw this little thing in here. Let's they can throw that up on their little on their fridge and stuff like that. That's cool for like the young kid or whatever. And why do we need yeah. to? Why do we need to make a disposable camera? And the little five year old little Timmy's not going to care about that, right? If you are thinking in that regard, that's true. I guess it's just, it's like they're, it's frustrating to see somebody so good at something that doesn't take advantage of it i feel like and that's i feel like that is the uh like if you have a friend that's really good at something but they stay at a dead-end job and they're not taking advantage of something because they don't believe that they can make a living off of turning their hobby into a job or something like i've, I've had friends like that and it's disappointing to see and i feel like that's um a similar dynamic that gamers have with nintendo they're like gosh you're so good at this one thing but you don't see yourself as a gaming company as much as you do like a toy company, for example. So it's just really disappointing. I don't know. It, they're going to continue to be weird. That's what I'm taking away from this. Yep. They're going to continue to be strange and not really make sense, but. And they're also not going to go away anytime soon. Oh, so. hell. Nintendo, Nintendo is a big company that if any, if anyone found out that Nintendo was in trouble, I'm pretty sure would just go like, here's like a lot of money. We're just going to buy yeah. like a bunch of games. Here you go. And then they're all good. Well, and they've proven that they can work them because around the time of the GameCube, like we said, when they had the Wii, I remember like hearing about how and nobody knew at the time, really, but how uh, 
close to bankruptcy they were. Like they were almost extinct at that point. Like think about it. Think about if the GameCube was the last real console that Nintendo came out with. Ugh. That's kind of weird to think about. Yeah. But that was almost a reality. And then they came out with the Wii and they're like, whoa, motion controls. And it's that's what's crazy. You have these big companies like Sony and Microsoft who are like, oh, you can do motion controls. That's what people want now. Boom. Xbox Connect or PlayStation Move. And it's like, those were god awful. So Nintendo yeah. proves that when it wants to, it can be super innovative. And the Switch, like the Switch is like leagues above anything that PlayStation or Microsoft has tried to do. PlayStation tried the PSP, which to its credit was better than people remember it being, but it definitely was a far off from the Switch. So oh, yeah. I don't know. It's just, it's really strange to see the things that they can excel at and the things they choose to ignore. And I think that's just going to continue happening. I, I still think that if Sony had put in the time and effort to make the PSP or even the PS Vita, uh, like if yeah. they had supported it, made games for it and stuff like that, made games specifically for that, similar to how what to to what the Switch is doing when it first launched with like Breath of the Wild and stuff like that. If they had made games like that for specifically for that game, it would have been the first to be on the scene when it comes to like an actual like handheld console. I hundred percent. I still believe that. Yeah, yeah, I fully agree with you. It's just they didn't want to for whatever reason there were some good games on the on those ones i still have my psp simply for dissidia duodecim which is basically the final fantasy fighting game okay it's it's a very fun game and i'm obviously i'm a big final fantasy fanboy so yeah that it, it's legitimately the only reason i want i i still have that <laughs> it's the very... video was awesome just library sucked yeah yeah and they tried it is kind of weird because they tried to uh, do some stuff like the PS. I think if you had a PS Plus subscription for a while there, they were releasing Vita games every month along yep. with their two free ones for like the PS4, right? Yep, they I had. I remember they, when they announced they stopped doing that, but yeah, they stopped it pretty much right when the PS5 was coming out. Okay. Um. So I know for the PS, there was they had it for the PS4. They were still doing it for three as well, and then they were doing it for Vita. They dropped three, and then they dropped Vita when the PS5 came out. So it's only four and five now. That's right. Okay. So this. Eh. <sighs> oh well, the things that could the things that could have been. Oh, it'd be interesting oh. to see if like if the Switch or not the Switch the if the uh, the Vita had taken off. Do you think that the Xbox would have made like the Xbox Series X would have been kind of like the Switch? I don't know specifically because I feel like around that time, that's when Xbox said that they don't Microsoft announced that they don't consider uh, PlayStation or Nintendo their competitors anymore because they made this whole switch to uh competing with things like Google and Amazon um, because, you know, Microsoft's such a ginormous company, just like oh, yeah. Sony, Huge. where they don't just focus on gaming. Um, so that's where the majority of their focus and efforts go to now is competing with like cloud services for um, not just gaming wise. So I feel like I think Microsoft was already set on the track of, yeah, we're just going to continue to do what they what we what we have always done and just make better hardware advancements because honestly that's what i feel like the xbox Series x is um it's it's not much different from the xbox one other than being tremendously faster and having way better hardware 
but otherwise I feel like it's the same system. And I feel like they were already on that track. Yeah, I'm just trying to think of alternate realities, possibilities that could have been if the Vita had taken off and then the Switch maybe had gotten off faster and maybe the Wii U just hadn't been a thing. And so it's just like you go from like the Wii to the Switch to like and then the PS Vita. So now then the only gaming company that isn't like a portable type one would be Xbox. So would Xbox then in theory try to stick with the gaming trends that would be going on and try and make their own mobile console? I feel like they, I almost feel like they wouldn't because we've never, I feel like we've never seen anything like that from Microsoft, right? As far as a portable console goes, or am I missing an obvious one? I'm sorry. What did you say? Are we missing? Am I missing anything? Or did, did Microsoft ever have any kind of like failed or not failed any kind of portable console of any sort? Um, I don't think so. I guess they're, they're only I guess you could consider their X cloud is kind of like their first trial at uh, a portable, but it's not just the portable one, but the fact that you can play it on your phone kind of makes it portable. Sure. Um, that's fair. Uh, and I don't know. I almost feel like they wouldn't go any kind of portable. I don't think they would come, come up with anything close to what the switch is now no. in an alternate reality. I don't think it would be anything like that. I almost feel like they would try to jump on doing something vastly different. Like, I feel like they would have really tried to take a much deeper stab at like VR at that point or something. Um, yeah. But I don't think that they, they've never shown having any kind of interest, even in alternate reality. I don't think, anything would have uh, driven them in the direction to do anything like that. But that's just my opinion. Well, there was uh, what was it? It was E3 probably four, maybe even five years ago where it was, it was shortly after their acquisition of micro or Minecraft that they showed off like this augmented reality type thing where you can almost play like God mode in like a, in oh, like a, yeah, yeah. Minecraft, that's like the closest thing to VR I've seen Microsoft really get at. Yeah, that's true. I kind of forgot about that. That was like trippy too, because it was, it was almost like one one block was as tall as you, which is like yeah, that is really weird to think about. It was it was pretty crazy. Uh, I I think they kind of just pushed that off the side. They kind of forgot about it, and I don't think they really want to go into it at this point. Just considering. I haven't heard, seen anything in those five, six, those four or five years, basically, of that. So, yeah. yeah, I really, I really would be interested, like everybody would, to see like what goes on behind the scenes. Because by the time the general public even gets one small leak of anything these companies are working on, it's already been in development for so long. Like I remember the first time seeing the leak of a PlayStation 5 and it looked like the uh it looked like a pizza slice warmer. Do you remember seeing that <laughs> yep, design? I did remember that. I was yeah. like, is that really the five? I was yeah. like, oh my God. <laughs> and it was believable because they were like, oh the it was airflow, very believable. The airflow is gonna be so advanced on this oh. console. And I looked at that and I'm like, I could see how that airflow would be good. Um and I was a little disappointed. I was like, God, that does not look that great. Yeah. Um but even by the time something fake like that hits general public, they're so far ahead in their development. So it's like when people like you and me sit here and talk about what they could be working on or why haven't they done this, the reality is they've 
already had something in motion for years and poured yeah. a ton of money into it, which is why it's such a big deal when they do decide to pull the plug on certain projects. Cause you're yeah. like, Oh dang. <laughs> and who knows all the projects we, that they've pulled the plug on. We just don't know about cause they didn't, they never announced. They never wanted to hit them light of day. Right. Yeah. <sighs> so, yeah like you said i love to be a fly on the wall most days and like uh at microsoft or even sony just to see just to see like the actual day-to-day -day things that goes on there yeah exactly so i'm wondering uh, um and we said it earlier i don't think uh stadia is gonna last and i wonder if that will be the last thing that google tries to do i don't know we'll see We'll see. I don't know. Google is so big. I think that once they realize that they may have jumped the gun, that they might go back to it. Maybe not with Stadia. They might rebrand Stadia pretty much. Yeah. 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 I think that, yeah, they would just rebrand it for sure. Yeah. They're like, but we were like the first on scene. No, you weren't. <laughs> well, yes, you were. <laughs> but you also sucked. Yeah. You were terrible. So, yeah. Yeah. All right. So we call it there. It's been about two hours ish. Sure. So, anyway. So, Ghost of Mozart Artificial, where can people find you if they want to see you? Yeah, um, I try to be everywhere, but uh, I'm probably most discoverable on Twitch. I stream three times a week, Tuesdays, Thursdays, Saturdays, 6.30 p.m. on Tuesdays and Thursdays, and 8.30 a.m. So here on Twitch, Ghost of Mozart Artificial. Uh, otherwise, you can find me on Instagram, uh, Ghost of Mozart Artificial, and YouTube, Ghost of Mozart, as well as Twitter, Ghost of Mozart. Um, just like that. Look at that. That shout out, that link to my Twitch channel will get you actually to the place where you need to be to find all my socials. So I'll make it easy there. Yeah, be sure to follow him up. He's an awesome streamer. Yeah, thanks so. for having me on. This was actually really fun. I've wanted to be on a podcast like this for some time. So Yeah, we'll definitely have to have you back. Hopefully uh, it'll be a little, we can have Tom Cruise stick around the whole time. Uh, but yeah. he definitely had to head out for work. But uh, yeah, that was this was a lot of fun, and I definitely uh, will definitely look to try and do this again, and uh, maybe see if we can't get uh, uh, Cole on here at the same time, and just so we can have like a really big one. I want to try and get at least four, maybe even potentially five people on here. See how chaos. Let's see the chaos <laughs> that erupts from having four or five people all talk, trying to talk on the same time on Discord. That'd be fun. <laughs> I think we should definitely do it. I know for a fact he. Uh really wants to do something like that so if we can organize it i am 100 percent down just hit me up but yeah that's gonna do it for that's just gamer talk thank you all so much for watching listening all that stuff be sure to hit ghost of mozart up on his uh twitch channel twitter whatever it is he's also a great video editor so if you need anything video edited go do that um okay. what else is uh share this with people and uh like and subscribe rate and all that blah 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 all that good stuff for podcasts this feels like a giant sellout and i hate doing it i absolutely <laughs> hate it but you know it's it's what needs to happen so that's gonna be all for us thank you so much yeah thank you bye <laughs>